Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 11th of November. Today I am joined by Elif, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Today. Hello Peter, I'm doing very good, thank you. How have Marvelous. you been doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. So, um... Just to say to the listeners, um, Elif has been on, on before, but we worked out. It was quite a while ago, wasn't it? About a year ago, exactly. I think it was around this time as well. There we go. And actually, <laughs> even more impressively, you, you said it was before we had the intro, intro music, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And I'm very pleased with the intro music now. Um, but it was uh, The podcast was amazing before then as well, but now it's more catchy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very good. Um, so there we go, you see. So, so Elif, Elif was, was on this, you know, way, way back in the prehistory of, of What's a Zaley podcast. That anyway. makes me sound old. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you're not. No, not at all. Not at all. Anyway. Right. So um, what did you find most interesting from today's edition of Watson's Daily then? So, Peter, today's edition of Watson's Daily, as always, was very interesting and there are very important topics as well. Um, but I've gone for something that was more light-hearted because okay. um, I think we need some of that these days of course we um, do <laughs> so the one I uh, the one that piqued my interest the most was about the um, YouTube dislike button so yeah um, what YouTube did uh, was so YouTube is a Google-owned company um, so this company decided to hide the dislike buttons um, but essentially the creators can still um, I mean not the dislike buttons sorry excuse me um they dislike counts so you can still dislike videos and like videos but you as a viewer you cannot see the dislike count um mm. but the creator can still see the dislike count and um on a statement in a statement um youtube made they said that they took this step in order to create a more inclusive and respectful environment and I think this is very much needed and um, especially in social media in general so not just YouTube um, but just in general Um, because um, social media bullying harassment is very much real people Mm. think that once you are um, kind of anonymous because you can pretty much give yourself any name you want to mm-hmm. uh, once you're anonymous you can just do anything and get away with it um, mm. this uh, hiding the dislike count does not really um, prevent you from getting away with it um, mm. but it kind of helps the creator kind of stay on top of things in terms of the mental health side of things um, the mm. company also said that they decided to do this because um, for someone who can't see the dislike count they are going to be less likely to um, dislike that video in order to harm that creator mentally. Mm. Um, mm. So I think it would be certainly very successful, like not very successful, but successful enough in that sense. Um, mm. But I think the fact that, that the creator still can see the dislike count is just um, kind of going to put a barrier into this uh, success of this. Um, mm. Because also about YouTube in general. I go in there uh, usually whenever I'm eating something or you know, <laughs> whenever, whenever I'm doing my um, nails and 
uh, mm-hmm. like th- those little chores that I do. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't want to be left alone. I want some white no- noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I usually go on YouTube because mm-hmm. if I go on um, Netflix or anything like that, I know that I'm going to be staying there for long. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I kind of want these like quick solutions. Now, mm-hmm. now kind of um, um, YouTube is being replaced by tiktok and instagram reels for me because they're much quicker and much more entertaining for me for some mm. reason um mm. i don't like that because it is doing numbers on my attention span but <laughs> youtube is very good for <laughs> yeah. uh, entertaining videos um and for me whenever i go on youtube i don't really look at the like and dislike counts mm. um the main thing i look at is the comments section because yeah. if it's a funny video i know that the comments are going to be hilarious mm. it's just going to add on to my um entertainment basically mm. um but the dislike count um like when you look at a video that got millions and millions of views you, you're not going to see millions and millions of likes or dislikes mm. Mm. just like you mentioned before when you we were talking peter um in on videos where they were like uh, the one you mentioned uh, that was about I think fitness um mm. you said that it had around 18 million views but the mm. likes were around just thousands and mm. the dislikes were around, were around thousands as well mm. um so I don't think um I'm alone in this people usually don't care a lot about the likes or dislikes but mm. it definitely does have some effect on the creator's mental health um mm. So my suggestion, I think, would be um, not just hiding the dislike count, but also hiding the likes count as well. Because in my eyes, um, I think just hiding the dislike but, um, count makes YouTube seem more like Instagram. Because in on many social media platforms, you can react in many ways. But mm. on Instagram, you're still doing the old-fashioned like, and that's mm. about it. I mean, mm. you can leave comments as well, but that's pretty much it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it's very good that YouTube is taking this step. But as um, they also mentioned in um, the, the statement they made, uh, it's just one of many steps that they're taking to continue to protect creators from harassment. Mm. I certainly mm. think that they can do more than that, but mm. a step is st- still a step. Um, mm. I think... Um, one one of the suggestions that I could give would be, um, as far as I know, on YouTube, you can't really ban certain words um, from com- from the comments section, but you can do this on Instagram. Mm. Um, so let's say that you don't want a certain insult to be used in a comment because you know that that whole, whole comment is going to be very abusive. You can mm. just um, put in that keyword on Instagram and then Instagram just automatically blocks someone from leaving that comment mm. i think i think this would be very um useful and, and effective on youtube as well mm. um so yeah. yes this is what i think in general um what do you think peter yeah no i, I mean i you know, it's a very interesting topic isn't it really and um i guess the only thing i would say with that is that maybe people like to feel validated don't they i think people like to feel that they're that other people feel like they do um yes. and i guess that you know if i now i i've no idea right but i just think if you're watching a video on on youtube and you think it's really good um 
I would have thought you're probably more likely to hit the like button. No, if... I rarely ever do that. And did you, also, but, oh, no, no, YouTube. I was going to say, I was just going to say, I think you're more likely to hit the like button if other people have hit the like button as well. Uh, because definitely. they, because it's like you feel like, oh, I'm not, it's not like I'm in the club. It's like, well, you feel validated that you think, oh, yes, so oh, it's not just me that thinks, oh, I think so. so. And I think that that works to a certain extent. But then actually, and I think it maybe has over the years, and it must have done because pretty much every kind of YouTuber that I, you know, that I follow and things, they always start the video off, you know, hi, guys, um, you know, I'm going to talk about such and such today. If you've not been here before, you know, please, uh, you know, smash that like button, hit the hit the subscribe, hit the bell, you know, all that stuff. Um, and it's all, you know, it, in, in many ways, I mean, I think that the likes and the dislikes help the algorithm more than they do the, the actual creator, you know, directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think, you know, it's interesting. And, and I do think that, it's probably I do think it's a good idea um, from a trolling aspect to, um, you know, to, to, to hide the number of, of dislikes on something, because I think, again, once people see that people don't like it, they again, I would say they're more likely to smash the dislike button as well because they just want to pile in. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, if we wanted to like just think about the near future, I'm not even going to say distant future. Um, mm. With the metaverse and everything uh, about that coming up, like rather soon, um, this is only going to get worse. So mm. it's better to just like take some steps, any step at this stage, and put an end to this. Mm. Or maybe like a comma to this, not an end. <laughs> mm. um, but still do something to fight with the harassments and the sort of bullying. Mm. Because it is definitely going to only get worse once mm. things, um, the, the online world gets more realistic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think that... Um, Yes, like like you say, it's 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 a step towards positivity and less trolling, or uh, but it's not. It's by no means the the end of it. I mean, there's a, there's still it's a first step on a very long road, I think. But I do feel that the regulators and things are getting on board with all this, and so I think that they are trying to. It looks like they are trying to do stuff. So we'll we'll see. I think we'll see a lot more development in the next few years than we've seen, say, in the last the last five or ten years on on that front. I think. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Um, so I I think it, it, this is all I thought about the YouTube stuff. We can definitely go on and on about this. Um, but <laughs> what was your favourite story of the day today? Okay, well, I thought I'd talk today about MS. So, Marks and Spencer um, had a really good performance, um, and actually, it, the the news was was taken so well in trading yesterday um, that the stock went up almost seventeen percent, which is which is a lot for a, a, a stock the size of uh, you know, the, the sorry a company the size of M and S. Um, and you know, I've looked MS because uh, <laughs> uh, for quite a while I'd say you know 20 or maybe well, coming up to 25 years I've really looked at MS you know when I when I was broking and things and um, I've seen a number of times where it has it has 
done a, a serious revamp. And the one that, that really, um, that I think it was the most radical that I've seen so far um, was uh, end of the 90s, beginning, beginning of the noughties, when um, they went from, they only ever had one brand, which is called St. Michael. Um, there were no other brands within M&S. But then what they did is they, they invented all these these new sub-brands. Like, so a lot of you guys listening to this, may, or if you even set foot in an in a, um, M&S, um, is that you see things like, um, uh, what's it, there's, there's one blue, oh, I forgot, blue, some, blue cargo or something. But there's things like Autograph is, is one, um, Per Una is another and I remember specifically, so Per Una was the kind of younger, cheaper, more edgy, well, I say edgy, it was hardly edgy, but, you know, edgier fashion for <laughs> the for 20-somethings. And that really, really was very popular. Autograph was also very popular because they got, they actually managed to get lots of guest designers, like, um, I mean, like shoes, like Oliver Sweeney, which are very, you know, very high end. Um, yeah, and, and lots of other different sort of high end designers used to come in and do like guest collections. Um, so it was all very exciting at that point. And, and it seems to me that M&S seems to go in waves, really. So um, it has like a new, a new chief exec. The chief exec, you know, sweeps out the old stuff brings in some new radical stuff. M&S does well for a few years, and then it eventually it slides back into its old habits. Um, the chief exec leaves, a new one comes in, same kind of thing, and then they start all over again. Um, but I think this time is very interesting because um, it's not only, it's not, these aren't normal circumstances. I mean, the face of the high street is really changing, and Retail itself is really changing, and I think that um, M&S has found it difficult to move with the times. Um, however, what it has managed to do over the last year or two is to, and especially over the last year, is to drastically improve its um, its online presence. Um, and uh, it, so, so for instance, so if you think of M&S as clothing and non-clothing, or clothing and food, so clothing. Um, I'd say menswear is still pretty boring, but um, women's wear is dead. Although, I mean, it's getting better and you've got, um, they did buy um, uh, Jaeger uh, last year. So that it's possible that that is, get, it is getting better. I think women's wear is getting even, you know, it's, it's doing even better than that. You know, lots of different design, uh, you know, different labels in there now. Um, and I think, so again, that's, that's a good thing. It just makes it more interesting. It makes, gives people more reasons to actually go in and check stuff out. Um, so I think it's all good, right? So um, mm. that's, you know, that it's, it's, it's doing well. Then on the food side, um, uh, Ocado went from being um, uh, BFF with, um, with, with, uh, with Waitrose for the past 20 <laughs> odd years. Um, and now is BFF with M&S and, as a result, M&S is actually doing very well because it was lagging others in terms of its online offering. So it's done a, made a lot of positive moves. I feel that the management, which has been a bit of a revolving door over the last few years, that seems to have settled down, which I think is good. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. What, do you do you um, you know are you are you an M&S fan or is it a bit of a 
is it just another shop or what, what do you think okay so um pizza after all that analysis this might sound silly um but like regarding what you just asked uh, i have a question as well okay um, it's, it's going to be a genuine question Mm-hmm. What is the deal with MNS? Because um, I, the listeners probably don't know because they probably don't remember me from a year ago. But mm. I am from Turkey and mm-hmm. I've only moved here a couple of years ago for just for university. Um, and we do have MNS in Turkey as well, but they don't do any thing on the food side and mm. it's just another shop for us. Like I know that they do good quality, no quote thing. Yeah. But um, it's just another shop that you can just go and find anything in. But mm. it's nothing special for us. Mm. Also, um, one thing about MNS for me, uh, especially, I whenever I go in there, I just feel so out of space because um, everyone surrounding me in the shop is definitely at least ten years older than me. Mm. Even if uh, MNS offers things that might appeal to me, I just don't feel like staying in there. Mm. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it, really? I think that M&S is very much a case of um, it's it, I feel that we, we we've been brought up with it. Um, we've been brought up with M&S in, in the UK. Um, it is very much a case of um, I've, I've been, you know, so as a kid, um, you know, birthday parties, Colin the Caterpillar, um, you know, the cake. Uh, Percy mm-hmm. Pig sweets, you know, all these kinds of things, um, you know, the 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 um, ready meals, all that, all that kind of stuff. It has all been, go- you know, I think that we we grow up with it, um, either going to it or aspiring to go to it. I think. I mean, I certainly. <laughs> that sounds fun, but <laughs> I did. I aspired to go. I just thought, oh, you know, it's too expensive. Can't go there. Can't go there. But um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I I think that it is one of those places that we've grown up with and, and therefore you feel an affinity uh, to. And so people feel that they kind of own it. Um, so um, that's why people get attached to it. Um, it came, it fell out of the FTSE 100 in September, 2019, having been in the FTSE 100 since the FTSE 100 started. So it was a mm-hmm. b- very big deal, um, but uh, it now looks like it's bouncing back. It's on the right track. And I think that there are two main things it really needs to do in order to do that. One is I think that it needs to um, uh, update, uh, do a proper overhaul of its stores. That's one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the second, because they're kind of boring. Uh, and then the, th- the second thing is they have to look at the, the you know, who they're selling to, who is their actual target customer. Now, at the moment, I think they're kind of aiming at everyone. Which is which is not ideal, but having said that, um, if you do want to sell to everyone, I still think you need a, a individual um, characteristics, yeah, individual um, identity within, and so you need to be able to do you need to be able to do that as as well. So, um, so you know, it's clear, like you know, you have uh, brands that are specifically designed for say to people in their twenties, another one in their thirties, etc. So so it's more defined. I think that that's what it needs to do. Then it will get people in. People won't associate it with being like an old person's shop or whatever. Uh, and I think that there, it will be more um, successful. But yeah, sorry, I know I was getting um, uh, carried away there because um, you know I, I like M and S. So yeah, yeah. Given all the emotional connection that you and clearly all the other um, British people have. 
I yeah. think it's only natural for um, people to want MNS to do well, I guess. And I guess it's doing, it's going in that direction. Indeed, indeed. But anyway, um, well, there we go. I mean, we, 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 we've, we've dealt with MNS, we've dealt with um, YouTube. Um, so I thought we, we, we'll just leave it there today. Um, but, um, but uh, Elif, I mean, thank you very much indeed um, for coming back um, and uh, having a chat after a, a, year's, a year's gap. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I just, and I also obviously want to, as always, thank the listeners for listening. Um, and also, I'll mention this again tomorrow, but um, there is a commercial awareness boot camp that I'm doing in conjunction with uh, Jake Shogger of the Commercial Law Academy. Um, we are, if you are, you know, wanting to know if you are a lawyer or an aspiring lawyer, and you're wanting to know, um, uh, you know, about all things to do with um, commercial awareness and lots and lots of other things, um, then please do um, register for that. You'll see, um, you'll see all the details, etc., on on all our socials. But, uh, but anyway, thank you once again, Elif. Uh, it's been lovely um, to have you back. Amazing. Um, thank you so much, for, Peter, for having me here. No problem. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Brilliant. Um, well, anyway, thanks a lot. Uh, and we'll be back again, or the podcast will be back again tomorrow. So many thanks. Bye. Bye.